the problem that we have here isn't the same problem we've had in the past. We have a supply problem, a supply and demand problem. We have way pent up demand. We've been not building ever since 2008, 2010. We've been building 300 to 400,000 less homes than the market every year. And it's just catching up. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Mike, every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way business owners and real estate agents think about their business and life. And this week, I want to disrupt the way you think about the 2021 foreclosure market. Everywhere we look, we see everyone in our business and uh, in financing talking about this impending foreclosure bubble. And I know it's a topic that we seemingly have talked about multiple times over the past week, and yet still, time after time, we get we get questions about this impending boom of foreclosures. Right? We know that it was uh, in in late March, the uh, the federal government put in place a foreclosure moratorium, and that's expiring soon. And so we have to be on the precipice of this foreclosure bust, right? And what I'm here to say is you're going to be waiting a really long time for that foreclosure bust to happen. And that's because 2021 is not the year that we will see foreclosures at a really massive scale, despite how long people have been waiting for them and sitting on the sidelines. This is not your year. What say you, Mike? I, I totally agree with you. The reason why I wanted uh, the premise of this um, show was be in my conversations that I'm having on a daily basis with real estate agents as a common topic. They keep bringing up, oh, when these foreclosures are coming, uh, the market will get better. Uh, but the information I'm telling them is the exact same thing. Uh, I, they're not coming. Uh, with moratoriums and the CARES Act, um, lenders are, they don't they don't want your their houses back. Um, so I did, I, I did a study. Uh, and studying this and coming up with different to uh, topics and doing research, I kept finding all these experts talking about this impending doom, this thing that's coming up. The problem that we have here isn't the same problem we've had in the past. We have a supply problem, a supply and demand problem. We have way pent up demand. We've been not building ever since 2008, 2010. We've been building 300 to 400,000 less homes than the market every year, and it's just catching up. Why is it then that everyone thinks that we have this foreclosure market that we're, we're like right on the cusp of? Where does all that come um, from? I think that we're conflating a recession, and normally, under normal circumstances, when you have a recession, uh, the, next, the next domino to fall is housing two things are at play one this yeah. recession has hit uh, disproportionately renters so right now you're seeing renters not paying rent the people that owns typically have uh you know better jobs and the ones that got hit were service industry travel uh all these uh, uh ho ho or uh, restaurants hotels all these workers, and they typically rent. So what's happening is these homeowners, they, they kept their jobs. They got to work during the pandemic. Um, and then they had all these uh, 
uh, forbearances. So in order to uh, keep people in their homes. Mike, I want to I want to put a pin in this, but I want to just touch on this really quickly and I'm going to come back to it. You said that for that the recession has hit renters the hardest. And you know that that's that's certainly true, but when we look at the concept of forbearance and um, delinquent mortgagees, you know who's been hit the hardest? Minorities. I want to come back to that, but just just quickly, I want to throw out a couple of stats. 36% of delinquent borrowers are, are borrowers who live in minority majority census tract, okay? 36% of those in forbearance still live in predominantly minority census tracts. In fact, black women um, have seen a 9.7% decrease in employment year over year before the pandemic the lowest rate of black women employment since 1993. And so I think there's so many things at play when we look at what makes up the current forbearance market and potential for impending foreclosure market that most people are ignoring the totality of the entire housing market and how it drives the entire US economy because you know we've said it so many times, there are social aspects of housing that are always at play that most people um, fail to take into account when they think about the idea of um, equity or when they think about the idea of value as it pertains to having value in an asset like housing. Housing is both a storehold of wealth and a um, Maslow hierarchy of need as it pertains to safety, security, certainty, um, and stability. And so there are multiple aspects at play as we look at the foreclosure market right now. And, um, and there are social dynamics at play that also are contributing to why we will not see a, a foreclosure boom in 2021. And I think that's a good thing. And we'll, and we'll, we'll touch on that, but I want to actually, here's why we won't see foreclosures. And that's because the, the, the thing that we um, have seen now for, uh, week after week is a decline in the number of homeowners who are still in forbearance. And every week that the number of homeowners who are in forbearance goes down, combined with every week that the um, housing market goes up in median home price, means that those that are underwater or would be underwater get more and more equity as a byproduct of the median home price going up over 16% nationally last year. And so this multi-dynamic facet of um, equity from a housing price appreciation standpoint and um, employment starting to go in the right direction uh, combined with government stimulus is significantly improving uh, what would be a massive amount of foreclosure influx. So check this out. How long does it take to foreclose on a house on average? Oh my gosh, I actually have no idea, but I know it takes forever. 830 <laughs> takes, days. A, a, on How much? 830 days? On average, uh, according, wow. yes. So, so this is the thing, you guys. So if we're having all of this, we have a pandemic, we have a recession, we have moratoriums, we have the CARES Act, we have people losing jobs, then people, 
you literally have two and a quarter years to find another job. And in that time, your house is adding, gaining in equity, gaining in value. And so either you sell your house before it forecloses on, or it takes two and a quarter years for it to foreclose. By that time, your circumstances change. You can reach out to your lender and make, uh, make arrangements in order to save it. I've seen them push mortgages out 40 years in order to make payments. Yeah. And also I want to say this, My I just want to say this, because... if I have a two year old pop in, yeah. <laughs> just, I, I hear over here squeaking. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, it's, it's interesting because you know, the, the reality is the government doesn't want to be in the homeownership business, right? And and foreclosures are costly, um, a costly business for banks to be in and for lenders to be in, and they don't want to foreclose either if they can avoid it, right? And so uh, the goal here is to keep people in homes as long as possible because it's the greatest um, storehold of wealth for the middle class is real estate. And therefore, when when people are foreclosed on or when people lose their home or lose equity in their home, we have a significant disruptance of the actual middle class storehold of wealth. And uh, that has a cascading effect on taxes. It has a cascading effect on employment. It, it impacts all other financial sectors, as we know from 2008-9, that the, the primary goal of the government and through stimulus is to avoid people um, losing their jobs and to create GDP. Real estate ends up being a large component of that. And thankfully, regulation is still incredibly high and incredibly stringent when it comes to uh, real estate. And arguably, it's getting more stringent as a byproduct of um, all the stimulus that we've seen. We've seen the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac cut back on second home and investment property mortgages. That's a good thing for first time home buyers and for those that are looking to buy their, their primary residence. All these things um, are mitigating the risk of foreclosures hitting the market because the Federal Reserve has the primary objective of increasing GDP and decreasing unemployment. Both have positive impacts on real estate. Yeah, um, foreclosure and on mitigating is foreclosure. actually down 90% year over year. So even though we have, uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me. Even though we have a lot of people that are 90 days behind, they're getting the time with, like you said, stimulus with the moratoriums. And like I said, with the lag in the actual foreclosure, if, if these, for one, if these, these real estate agents are waiting on, uh, you know, a glut of foreclosures, they're just going to be waiting a long time. There's too many nanny gears, nannies, uh, uh, guardrails in That's place. Right. Uh, that's going to prevent that from happening. Yeah, Mike, there are 2.23 million um, homeowners in forbearance. Okay, understand that that sounds like a large number, right? Yet the reality is, is that's uh, less than 5% of the entire um, housing market in currently in forbearance. Okay, just, just understand this, that 6% of households um, bought houses last year. So there are more people that bought homes last year than there are in forbearance. That's in one calendar year. We are at one, a little under two months worth of um, supply of housing right now. If, if you were to dump 2.23 million um, homes on the market, now that's a different story. 
that that creates a certainly a market surplus. But remember, annually we're seeing um, you know about six million houses transact um, based on the 2020 numbers. So six million homes a year transact. That would mean that only a third of one year's um, available inventory is in forbearance. Traditionally, what we've seen is 10% of homes that are in forbearance um, turn into foreclosure. I think that number will likely be a little higher, but even then we see almost 300,000 homes be foreclosed on year after year. That's a healthy number. That's the same number. Not everyone forecloses on a home. Yeah. Not everyone forecloses on a home because um, they, they ran into hard times or bad luck, all those things. Sometimes foreclosure might actually be a way out or the easiest option for someone. And so it might be a choice to foreclose. And, and so we'll still always see a, uh, a healthy level of foreclosures. This year is not going to create a significant surplus of foreclosures because uh, the, the primary role right now of the current administration is uh, stabilizing the economy. And the last thing on earth this uh, administration wants to do is disrupt housing which is by far the, the best market sector um, in all of the economy right now and the largest. Absolutely. I agree with you. So one of the things, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, one of the things I wanted to get your take on Mike is, is earlier in the conversation, I mentioned that, um, that, that disproportionately those that have been impacted by the current forbearance market and the current um, impact on employment as it pertains to, um, this post-pandemic um, employment sector is minorities. And um, if everyone doesn't watch uh, or listen to the podcast on YouTube, um, we look different from a complexion yeah. standpoint. So um, I'm not the guy to probably be the expert on uh, minority housing. So I'm going to defer to you because, um, because certainly um, I wasn't aware of of what the what the impact was on um, the minority sector as far as housing is concerned and as far as the forbearance um, aspect is concerned. But overwhelmingly, 36% of borrowers um, who are in majority minority census tracts um, are those that are in forbearance. And, and we know that it's significantly impacted minority um, um, census tracts and minority borrowers more than it has um, other other demographics of the population. And so um, what I want to know is, is, do you think that part of the government response right now is aimed at trying to mitigate the impact? I think so. Um, that's what I'm hearing. Um, what you're seeing is systemic. Um, there's been, so for one, uh, black home, black owned homes don't have the equity uh, they, it doesn't, they don't appreciate the same as in a predominantly white area. So you're seeing the, the, some of the benefits we're being told the American dream buy a home. But when we buy a home, that American dream doesn't really apply to us because we don't gain the equity, um, the same equity as everybody else. Um, what you're seeing is you're seeing the remnants I want to say, I want to change that. The residue. What you're seeing is the residue of policies uh, enacted by the government early on. And so what's happened is you had redlining, you had all this where people were in this area 
and they and everybody had to go to this area and build wealth. Well, if I own a home in a redlined area, those homes don't go up as much as in value as outside of that area. And now look, 50 years later, if I want to have that same wealth, I don't have it. So, uh, I mean, in order to, I don't want to get into like a whole history lesson on how that, how that goes. But then you also look, a lot of the jobs are hospitality, hospitality, service related jobs, etc. So this impacted, yeah. you know, minorities way more. This, there's a, there's a uh, saying, whatever happens to Americans happens bef first and way more severely to the African-American community. So when we have a recession, it impacts. If you look, look yeah. at unemployment, unemployment, there's unemployment and then there's black unemployment. You see what I'm saying? And the reason it, it's the lowest, yeah. the lowest yeah. of, of you're in the yeah. back, right? So you're seeing that play out in these, um, yep. um, forbearances. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you're seeing it. I, I think you're seeing it, um, show up in, yeah. in some of the policy as well. And I think that that's actually a good thing. Um, at least, at least the, maybe the, in my naive perspective, it's showing up in policy and that it, our current administration, um, and this, this is, pre-election and post-election because a lot of it's driven by the Fed, right? And so the Fed is, Jerome Powell and, and, and the team at the Fed have been the same um, at the beginning of the pandemic as they are here midway through 2021. So this doesn't necessarily mean it's a, it's a Republican or Democratic issue um, at the exact time. However, um, the Jerome Powell has been very clear that his objective is to increase um, employment or the negative impact of unemployment in the minority sector. That was the area of the jobs market that was hit the hardest was, as you mentioned, the service industry, the hospitality industry, that's often made up of um, the minority uh, portion of the population is that significantly was negatively impact, impacted. And so a lot of the policies and a lot of the um, stimulus efforts are intended to improve that segment of the of the market, and that's a good thing. Uh, one, it's a good thing because um, obviously it helps to stabilize the economy, and two, it's a it's a good thing from a social perspective, right? It, it's it's having the awareness that um, that there are those that are disproportionately impacted, as you mentioned, Mike, and um, and have we gotten it right? No. No, absolutely not. In fact, if we have gotten it perfectly uh, correct, right, there would be equal distribution of, of impact as a byproduct of the pandemic. And that didn't happen. And, and now we see a lot of talk about why, um, why, why we didn't get it right or why there is a, um, the existence of, to your point, some, some residue of prior systems that, that, that uh, maybe haven't been beneficial um, for, for some markets or some, some demographics of the pandemic. And one of them impacted the most, as I mentioned, was, was black women. And that's because it's multifaceted, especially when we look at the housing sector, especially and it's, um, single mothers who had, uh, the cost of childcare, high student debt, um, and those that were traditionally, um, in, 
in service sectors of the market, which we know um, are, are typically going to be uh, minority women. We know that um, black women have a higher um, amount of student loan debt than, than black men do. Um, we know that single mothers um, obviously were impacted significantly by COVID as a byproduct of schools being unopened. And, uh, and that's why we see disproportionately a significant number of, of the impact being on the minority um, segment of our population. And that's also why I'm incredibly thankful that a lot of the um, Recovery Act, a lot of the, the provisions right now are aimed at increasing um, aid to a segment of the population that has been most impacted by the consequences of COVID in our response. Do you know that black black home ownership is as low as it's been in the 1970s? The gap between no. white homeowners and black homeowners is widening. The same things happen in real estate, the haves and the have-nots. This, this virus is a magnifying glass and it's just exposing the systematic, this is the thing, not all, okay, so these women, the women that are raising disproportionately, you know, working in a in in forbearance and all this good thing, uh, just a generation ago, systematically, the males were arrested. They're throwing out felonies like like candy yeah. in the '90s. So now they're locked yeah, up. Yeah. Just think of the foundation. Yeah. Now here, 2020, we have this pandemic, and this is the result. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite uh, commentators and 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 really pop culture um, like uh, talking talking heads, I guess, um, would be a guy by the name of Scott Galloway. Um, and and Scott Galloway has said that if the pandemic impacted um, skinny, wealthy white people the same way that it did everyone it. else, we would have come up with a different <laughs> response. We yeah. fixed it. Yeah, and it, it is unfortunate, but the, the the reality is is that largely over the aggregate of the population, right? There certainly we have seen that demographic, and by that demographic, remember that like I'm 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 putting a mirror up in my own face with that, and because because as, as sad as it is to say, is I actually came out ahead as a byproduct of the current of our of our most recent response. And, and that tells me that it wasn't equally distributed, right? Is, is there shouldn't have necessarily been the opportunity for um, one specific uh, demographic or others to get unequally ahead, whether it was by design or not, I don't know. Um, it, the reality though is that, that that largely occurred and you can see that show up, especially in the numbers and in the data. And, and so the good news as we kind of wrap things up here is the good news is, is that we have the awareness now that there's a need um, to provide resources, provide focus and attention on, on closing the gap that exists, whether it will be too little too late. I don't know. Time will tell. Um, and the second piece of good news is that we won't see a foreclosure crisis happen in 2021. We will buck the trend. It has been 18 months post um post a spike in unemployment that we have historically seen foreclosures rise. And we will defy that trend uh, with the numbers that come out now, 18 months post the beginning of this pandemic, because we won't see foreclosures at the rate that others are expecting. If you're still on the sidelines, 
you're gonna be waiting a long time to see a significant amount of increase.